Michael is right. Our staff is working diligently to be sure that you don't feel alone. You're not in this alone, even though we feel very isolated from each other. Uh, we are doing our best to reach to you and to provide what you need for spiritual nourishment during this time. So please don't hesitate to call. Call and ask for prayer. We're more than happy to do that. In fact, our staff is meeting. We always meet on Mondays at 1 o'clock. We're having a meeting tomorrow. It will be a virtual meeting tomorrow that we'll have, and we're going to talk about more ways that we can plan to serve you, Bethesda, as pastors of this fellowship. We want the privilege and the honor of being able to do that. All right, get your Bible ready. <clears throat> get it out if you haven't already. And let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to give you just a brief uh, message from the Word of God today that I feel the Lord would have for us. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm titling this message, The Perfect Candidate. With these challenging days that we are facing, I think most of us have found um, what I would consider to be multiple layers of emotions kind of uh, coming forward in each of us. Fear certainly is there, probably the one that's most common talked about, but fear of the unknown, fear of the future. With that also comes anxiety. Uh, it could be restlessness because you're stir-crazy in your house or your apartment. So that's there. And because we're shut in with people so tightly, maybe there's some impatience uh, and could possibly be a little bit of irritability. I don't know that it happens in Texas, but I've heard that in other states it happens from time to time, but there might be a little bit of impatience and irritability going on. And I'm sure most of us have had our share of worry. So those are just some of the things that can be visible literally on the outside. But also the internal issues get magnified in, in days like this, particularly all the things that you don't like about yourself. I'm sure you've got those things. I certainly do. Some of you ladies feel too unlovely to be used of God like Esther once did. Maybe you feel barren and unable to produce any life as Elizabeth once did. Some of you feel too young to be significantly used by God, as Mary once did, or possibly Timothy. You see the need of the hour, and, and you feel like it has caught you unprepared, and you feel like a failure, like Moses once did. Many of the people that are contacting myself and the other pastors, they're, they're letting us know they, they feel like a failure, they feel depressed, they feel addicted and they can't get free, they feel like a loser, they feel they're lonely, and quite honestly, it's, as pastors, it can be overwhelming when you hear it in bulk like that. But I want to say to you this morning that if you are feeling or sensing any of these kinds of emotions that I've just mentioned, and they seem to be getting the better of you, driving you down, I want you to know, and I say clearly to you today, that you are the perfect candidate for God to use in a crisis hour and to use in a powerful way. Pastor Dan, how can you say that? Well, give me about a few minutes and I'm going to tell you. Because the truth is, church, that's actually what the cross is all about. It's not about you or me. It's not about our power. The cross is about what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago when he won for us what he won for us when he rose from the dead and what he promises to do through us, not in our strength, but in our weakness. So if you have your Bibles there, your device to follow along, go to Isaiah chapter 6, and let me see what's in here for us today. For just a few moments, 
I'm asking if we can get our minds off of coronavirus, off of being quarantined, off of the news that is uh, so heavy upon us, and let's see how God relates to someone who he's about to use for a special purpose at a critical time in history. In Isaiah's day, the nation was deeply backslidden. They were rejecting God. They had become very hardened to hearing the truth. And God is about to raise up a young man who he's going to draw into his presence, and God is going to commission this young man. But before he does so, there were five revelations that Isaiah had to hear, he had to see, he had to receive, he had to embrace five revelations, five things that were important for him to know before God was going to be able to release him and use him. And I don't think it's any different for you and me today. Without a doubt, our seeing and hearing capability today is significantly clouded by our most unusual circumstances. But I think the Lord still wants to speak to us right in the midst of this. And from this passage today, I believe God is going to use us. There are five things, just like Isaiah, that we're going to have to see and we're going to have to embrace. And it will cause you and I to rise up in this critical time and make a difference for the kingdom of God. I feel impressed just, just to pray over this word very quickly. If you'll just bow your head with me. Lord, I pray this morning that you will illuminate our hearts and that the, the written word on the page will become written on our hearts. Let us be transformed by your promises and by the revelation of who you are and what you do and who you use to do it. Lord, to all those today who are sitting in their homes who feel hopeless this morning, I pray that you will speak to hearts. And God, just as you called Lazarus out of the grave, call those of us who are willing to hear I pray that all of this today in Jesus' name, amen. Five things that we must know for the days that lie ahead. Let me read Isaiah chapter 6. I'm starting now with verse 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Five revelations. Here's the first thing that Isaiah had to see before God could use him. It was this, the majesty the power, the glory of God, and how, he, how God is viewed in heaven itself. Church, I just want to remind you today, I, and if you were sitting here, I would ask you to repeat this after me. He's holy. He's powerful. He's gracious. He's good. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And just at the mention of his name, the foundations of the temple were shaken, as we just read. And the sound of created heavenly beings worshiping him and declaring who he is. We need today, in 2020, a revelation again in our generation of the holiness of God. 
I, I, I'm gonna, I speak as a fool when I say this, but I, it's at a point I think I need to make. Christ Jesus is not just some guy you throw your arm around and you walk to the beach as your buddy or that someone that you go hang out with on, on Friday night somewhere. That's not who the Son of God is. He is holy. He is holy. Would you say that with me? He is holy. He is holy. And we need today in the church a revelation of the holiness of God and who it is that we are approaching when we go to Him in prayer. If you and I truly had a revelation of the holiness of God today, you know what, church? We would all be on our faces, every one of us, because nobody could stand in His presence. And so the first thing we would be crying out is, holy, holy, holy. But the second thing that we would immediately cry out is, mercy, mercy, mercy. Almighty God, if we truly knew how holy God truly is. In seeing the holiness of God, this second revelation of Isaiah was his own spiritual condition. Now, he's already a young man who wants to serve God. And he's probably speaking about God in his generation already. But being in the presence of God, what did he say? When he was, found himself in God's presence, what did, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Or, or other versions say, It's all over. I'm doomed. Everything I thought I was has just melted to the ground in the sight of a holy God. I thought I, I had more knowledge than somebody else. I, I thought I had obtained a higher position in the church than others. I thought I was maybe doing better than other people around me. But now, now I have seen God himself. And everything I thought I was has come undone. It's over for me. I'm literally melting into the sidewalk like an ice cube on a hot day in Texas in August. Verse 5 says this of chapter 6 of Isaiah. It's where he says, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yes, I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. I have seen God. And in seeing God, I suddenly have a revelation of how different God is to who I am, how far He exists above me, and how other His character is to mine. And then I recognize, like David the psalmist did, oh Lord, if you should deal with us according to that which our iniquities deserve, who could stand in your presence? I've seen the holiness of God. That's why John, the beloved, and Daniel and others like them seeing the appearance of God in his fullness. They would fall on their face like a dead man falling on their face because they realize, oh God, you are holy. You are the one who is set apart. You are holy. I don't think there's any other word in heaven that they could use to describe it. And I'm sure we don't have any other word in our vocabulary that describes the character of God more than the word holy. And seeing the holiness of God, we, in a sense, then recognize our condition and we become undone. 
The third revelation to Isaiah comes in verses six and seven. And it's this, he sees God's willingness to show mercy. Verse six says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and now your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. It is not just a touch on the mouth that, as we see here. Because the Bible makes it clear that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God brings a transformation to the heart when we see him and, and then we see ourselves. Because then and only then will we see his mercy. And can I just remind all of us today as I remind myself that you and I are only where we are by God's mercy. That's the only reason we're here by God's mercy. What is mercy? Sometimes people get confused between grace and mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not receiving what you deserved. You went before the judge. You were guilty of the crime. You knew it. He knew it. But for whatever reason, that judge decided to let you off the hook. He's giving you mercy. And that's what we have received from an almighty, holy God. The whole kingdom of God is about mercy which should keep us from getting proud about any accomplishments that we have or thinking that we got ourselves to this place. Notice with me in this passage that the Lord did not have to tell the seraphim to go to the altar. Didn't have to tell them. The seraphim who dwell in the presence of God know the heart of God. That seraphim immediately flew to the altar and took that coal of God's purity that coal of God's mercy and touched the lips of young Isaiah and transformed his life right on the spot and gave him a new heart. And isn't that the promise of God that we have from the Old Testament? You see it in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll give you. I'll give you. It's not by anything at all which we do. We become what God intends us to be by his mercy when we recognize our otherness and God himself comes and touches us with his presence. So his first revelation, Isaiah has a revelation of the holiness of God. I pray that God gives us, Bethesda, a new and a fresh revelation of his holiness. He has a revelation of his own condition. Third, he has a revelation of God's willingness to show mercy. For those of you listening this morning, if you feel like you're at the lowest point of your life, and many of you do, I say again, you are in a beautiful place, a perfect place for God to touch your life. You are the perfect candidate for the hand of God to touch you, purge you, cleanse you, and change you. And it's something God does for you, and through you, when you simply open your heart, just like when Isaiah said, God, I am undone. I am undone. I see your holiness. I see who I am. I'm finished. You're holy. I'm not. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And suddenly the mercy of God touches you. And then you begin to feel this strange, unexplainable warming in your heart. 
And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your earthen vessel. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the beauty of it all is that we then start to hear his voice. It's not just words on a page anymore or something that someone else has told you or or something that your parents or your grandparents told you about, as good as that is. No, God starts speaking to you. And this is the fourth revelation. It could be a shout. It could be a whisper. It could be a verse of Scripture that jumps off the page. But Isaiah says, as I go just a little further in this chapter, verse 8, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking there had to be silence in heaven at that moment. Whom should I send? God's asking that? What about the seraphim who just touched Isaiah's lips? Because I'm pretty sure that if this thing with six wings flies to earth, people are going to listen. Pretty sure about that. He's been floating in heaven. He seems to be in right relationship with God. He has an incredible prayer life, and his, his praise, the seraphim's praise is out of this world. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when he opens his mouth and when he gives his praise, the foundations of the place shake. Well, so what's wrong with him? If you need someone, why don't you pick him? And why didn't you just immediately choose him? God, if you need someone to do a job, I, I think he's your man. I, it's who I would pick. But Isaiah is hearing the voice of God who is speaking, saying, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Crickets. But he seems to answer. I bet it was as quiet in heaven as it is in this sanctuary at this moment. Nobody seems to answer. This long silence. And then the weakest guy in the room, the guy who doesn't have six wings and a voice that the foundation causes the foundations to shake. The guy who's been reduced to nothing. The guy who has felt totally undone. The guy who has received an incredible revelation of the holiness of God and his own otherness and awareness that it's all because of God's mercy. That guy, that guy steps up. He says, okay, I'll go if you'll have me. Here I am. You, you want to send me? And Bethesda, in a strange sense, we are being put in a place of great weakness through all of this we're experiencing. We're finding out that many of the towers of strength that we might have built all for good reasons, we believed that they're crumbling. For many today who are listening, you have been suddenly put in a very shaky financial position with no idea of what tomorrow holds for you. Some of you who have invested in the stock market 
have faced a shocking reality this week. Many things that we have come to rely upon, our fortresses, our things that we've given our lives to and built, supposedly for our future, things we've come to rely upon, that, uh, or if not taken for granted, might not ever be there for us again. That I am declaring that just as churches were filled with people who were deeply shaken to the core right after 9-11, that when the dust settles on our current situation, and oh God, I pray it does soon, but when the dust settles, there's going to be a vast number of people who have discovered a new level of their own reality, people who feel completely undone, whose world has been shaken to the core, and they have concluded they have no answers. And by the Spirit of God today, I hear the voice of the Lord saying this morning, whom should I send as a messenger to those people? Who will go for us? Those of you who feel inept, those of you who feel disqualified, those of you who today feel you've been stripped down to nothing, those of you who feel like you have nothing to give, those of you who out of, the, out of your own being you're saying, woe is me for I am undone because you have been touched by the Almighty God the burning coal from off the altar of God has touched your lips. Your guilt has been removed. Your sins have been forgiven. You who have humbled and lowered yourself before God because you've recognized His holiness, you are the very one who's going to need to then rise up and say, here I am. Will you send me? It is vitally important that the church stay strong in these treacherous days. I, like every other pastor, every other spiritual leader across this country, across the world, are speculating on what God is doing in the midst of this. Do I know that people will spin this in a negative way? How could a God, how could that, you know? I don't know, but I know he's up to something. And the church had better be prepared. We are adjusting and transitioning into uh, secluding ourselves, isolating ourselves, and all that comes with that. But in the midst of that, something deep within my soul says that's, Rest is good, being with family is good, all that's fine. But it doesn't mean that we're allowed to sit back and do nothing. We had better be taking this time to prepare ourselves for the harvest that God is going to bring in when this whole thing is over. Here am I, send me. It is vitally important that the church stay strong in these days. And it is of utmost importance that we do not slack off in our intercession for this country and for the world for which Jesus died. The fifth revelation of Isaiah in this passage is found in verse nine. It's just the first part of it. And God said, after he said, here am I, you wanna send me? God said, yes, yes. 
go. Isn't that utterly amazing? What's amazing? Here's what's amazing. The willingness of God to be represented by you and represented by me to the world. That's amazing. We are given this privilege not only because we know his holiness, but also because we know his mercy. You see, all throughout Scripture, it's there. God has taken the weak, the foolish, and the nobodies, and the nothings, for no flesh can glory in itself, no flesh can stand in his presence. And he has given wisdom that people have not earned. He has given giftings that we have assumed were of our own ability, but they were not. He has given us minds that are not our own. He has given us power and strength that can only come from him. And that's why our whole message is about Jesus. It's all about him. Musicians, come on, get ready. And you know who's going to carry this message? It's going to be you who are battling depression. Yep. You're going to stand up. Here am I, send me. You who are struggling with weakness and addiction. You who, who feel like it's impossible for God to use you. You're the one who's going to stand up and say, here am I, send me, because I've seen your holiness and I've seen your mercy. You know who's going to carry the message? It's those of you who are living with a sense of hopelessness. <laughs> it's just, it sounds crazy. Those of you who are living with a sense of hopelessness and a lack of purpose in life, you are the perfect candidate. You, yes, you, sir, you, ma'am, you're the perfect candidate to allow God to glorify himself through you. Father, I just ask today that these words will penetrate deep within the hearts of people. I know how my own heart has been convicted because I know my own failures and shortcomings. I can't imagine why you would ever choose me. can't imagine. Lord, I thank you that you give us hope for a future, for the path of the just is a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day, Proverbs tells us. And that as we walk out of this situation, and we're going to, we walk out of these days that we're living in, that you're going to cause those who have been humbled and who have bowed low in your presence to then rise up and say, here am I, send me. Lord, I thank you today that you are raising up a mighty army. And I say, do it, Lord, do it, Lord. Thank you that you're including Bethesda in that mighty army. We're privileged. So we offer this day before you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.